0: Up and Out. And a couple of weeks ago, when we started the series, we talked about up. That's our relationship with God, obviously. And today we're going to be talking about in the sense of community and why we need each other and how that God has designed the body and community. And when you hear me use the word community, it's just talking about these tight knit sort of relational uh, groups that you and I are part of that can cover various uh, aspects of our life and uh, and then next week, uh, which would be Palm Sunday, uh, then we're going to talk about how do we go out and make a difference in that regard. Hey, talking about Easter, just want to remind you we've got a couple of great invitation cards. We've got the bigger ones that we use, and they have a lot more information on them, front and back. And so we've got a lot of those at the information table. You've got a couple in your bulletin, and you can take uh, more from the info table and just get this out. Invite this to your family, your friends. I've said this before. I'll say it next week. I'm saying it right now. People will come at Easter uh, when they will not come at any other time of the year. People just say, hey, I ordinarily don't go to church. I'm not saying I'm connected to God. I'm not saying I'm becoming a Christian, but I will go to church on Easter. We want them to do that, and we plan accordingly. And the message that I share that morning will be so intentional uh, about your family members and your friends that are not connected to God. And uh, so we'll be talking about that on Easter Sunday. It's going to be a great day. It's three one-hour services, 845 to 945, 10 to 11. And then 1115 to 1215. And some of you, you know, uh, you guys, you're like, where in the world? Am I going to carry the big old card? So we've made it easy uh, for all the guys as well, or ladies who want to use this card. It's so a business card side. It just says Easter at Victory Church. And then on the back, it's got our service times. And so we've got a lot of those that are out in the lobby and information table. So please take advantage of those. And uh, invite your family, your friends to come, find people who ordinarily uh, don't go to church and say, listen, I want you to come to church with me, have them sit with you. And we're going to be praying. We're working real hard. In fact, we have been for a number of weeks uh, just believing that God's going to give us an unbelievable Easter Sunday. And I so want your family members, I so want your friends, your coworkers um, the people that you're going to be inviting to come with you on Easter to be, uh, their life to be changed for all time and eternity, and for them to end up in heaven with you one day. And so we're planning, uh, with God's help, toward that end. It's going to be a strong salvation message. I'll just give you that heads up, and uh, we're going to trust God for great, great things. If you happen to see three beautiful grandkids running around here that either belong to us, our family. But then I noticed that Eddie and Lynn Hosgood, who are uh, team leaders out of the team, uh, out of the information table today, they've got their three grandbabies. And I've got to admit, those are adorable kids. So if you see uh, three sets of kids, they either have the last name Hosgood or Sellers. And they're just, they're, they're cute kids. And, uh, Brent's down now. He wasn't here last Sunday. He flew in this week, and and he and his buddy are here. And they are competing in a golf tournament. And I was just thinking about this. It started yesterday. A lot of you know that every year the Lakeland does this four ball golf tournament, and so both of my boys are in the tournament. They're not on the same team. They're both competitive. They want to beat each other and all of that. But uh, you know, as a dad and church, being passionate. In fact, Brent was funny. He used to tell me because he started travel ball before there was like really travel ball, and he'd get picked up because he's really really good at baseball. And he'd get picked up at these travel teams and the travel the coach, he'd just say to the coach, coach you say, Brent, i like to have you on our travel team and we're going to do this, this, and this. And the coach, uh, Brent would always say the same thing to the coach. All right, here's the deal though. You've got to understand that if I'm on your travel team, I can play on Fridays and Saturdays, but my parents will not let me play on Sundays. So if you still want me to be a part of your team, then I just know I cannot play baseball on Sundays. How many of you think that's okay, by the way? And so we did that. And so coaches will always say, that's fine with us. You can play on, you know, Friday evening, Saturday. We know you can't play Sunday. So now that he's a grown man, he's in this tournament. And I was just hoping, you know, he's my, my son. I want him to do, I want both boys to do great in the tournament. I really do. I'd love it if they would win it. But I did not want their tea time to conflict with church. So I hated the thought of, how do I do this? Because if they have to miss church because of their tea time, I don't want to be their dad who prays that they'll have 18 consecutive double bogeys. But I will if necessary. So I'm glad I don't have to, you know, pray that you're 36 over today. I'm glad to see that you guys are in church. So just figured I'd point that out. So we're fresh into a new message series that we're simply calling this up in and out. And I'm very glad that uh, you're going to, you know, be a part of what we're going to talk about in week number two. Week number one, we talked about the up portion of this series. And as I mentioned to you just moments ago, that focuses on our relationship with God. Now today, it's that in portion. It's just sort of You know, uh, connecting with people, you know, of connecting with God, uh, in connecting with people. And this is a really important matter as well. And I believe that you're going to see that it's important as we wade a little bit deeper into it. But just so that you know, because I'm the kind of guy that likes to state the obvious, I want to just say to you as a communicator that it's actually much easier to speak to the up segment of this series, then it is the end segment. And one of the primary reasons being is this. Most of you already know, you already place a high value on your relationship with God. And if I were to say to you, hey, is uh, your relationship with God, is that like a really important thing? And and every one of you that's worth your salt, you'd be like, absolutely. So I don't have to try to convince you or try to persuade you. It matters to the importance of your relationship with God. I don't have to do that. You already know that. But it's in the second one, because I suspect that numerous ones of you um, are not as persuaded that looking in your relationship with, ship with people is like a real game changer. You may be like, hey, Jeff, I'm with you on up. I get that. But the end portion, I, you know, that's just not me. I don't see the importance of it is I'm not that kind of person. And... um uh, And, you know, I want to just say in one sense, I kind of get that. I kind of understand maybe what your mentality may be in that regard because I see a couple of things that's unique, a couple of things, and uh, we're all, I spoke on this uh, Wednesday night at the North Campus, we all go through seasons in our life, and... uh, I've got sort of, you know, Paul talked about this dual nature that all of us have, and I'm not talking about the dual nature in regards to that, that, you know, that part of us that is patterned after the likeness of Jesus, and we want to walk in the Spirit, and then this other part, Paul talked about in Romans that he struggled with this old carnal nature. I'm not talking about that kind of contrast. I'm just saying there's this side of me It's why I understand why some of you may bring in the thinking that you bring into what we're going to talk about today. I've got this huge side of me, the bigger portion, maybe I should say it that way, the bigger portion of the way that I'm wired up is I'm like a major extrovert. Um, I'm outgoing for the most part. I like being around people. I love people. I like being in crowds. I like doing that. But at the same time, and I was thinking about this not too long ago, there's also uh, operative within me sort of this independent, sort of this part of me that is an introvert, the streak in me, so it's not like I'm always like in major extrovert mode, because I think about it, if I were like that, then I'd never wanna be alone, but if you're like me, some of you, do you ever like being alone? I like being alone sometimes. I really do. I've got friends that just give me, give me a hard time. They're like, I don't understand how you can just go into a restaurant, have lunch or go into a restaurant, have breakfast all by yourself. You just sit in there by yourself. I take a lot of ribbing because I do that. And I look at him. I'm like, are you kidding me? I love that. I love to do that. I love at times, you know, like especially when life is like really crazy and, uh, you know, so many different things. I mean, for me to just say, well, hey, I'm going to lunch today and I'm just going to sit in a booth somewhere by myself like a novel that doesn't even feel work related where I could just sit here and just have. And, and so I like that part of me or to be in a coffee shop, you know, all by myself. So I've got that extrovert side of me, you know, and I love being around people. But there's this part of me that I just like sort of pull. And sometimes I do that in my office and it's like, oh man, I know, I know you're probably um, like this as well. Some of you, it's just like, once you shut your office door, you're like really focused and you're like really dialed in, you know, you got a lot to do and you're just hoping that door is not going to open for like about 14 hours. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's just going to stay closed. So uh, those of you that you just come into this series, you're like, all right, Jeff, I'm with you on the up, my relationship with God, but I can't promise you in advance that I get this whole, you know, really important reason why I not need to connect to other people. In that case, I would just say to you, just hear me out, reserve your final opinion until we get to the end. Because I'm not going to try to convince you, honestly, what I feel or what I think. I want to just talk to you out of some scriptures that are in the Bible that really speak to this. And so, in a way, it's really good for me to remind you this morning of what I need to be reminded of myself. So, let's all look in today. I want us to do that. We looked up last time. We're going to look out next week. But in today because um, this whole idea of community and connecting with people and relationship, uh, God has some rather strong feelings about it. And to make it simple, um, I'm going to give you five things the Bible teaches about community. I've got 25 minutes to do it. And so don't do what some people do and say, well, he's got 25 minutes, he's got five, he's going to spend five on every one. Because I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to spend more on number one, a little bit less time on two, about the same amount of time on three, and a little bit lesser times on four and five. So don't just know that I know where I'm going with this. All right? You with me? Here we go. Be sure you write it down somewhere. You can write it with your pen, your tablet, your phone, but I want you to be sure everybody, you get this down. First of all, you and I, and this is really the basis for it, you and I were created by God for community. We really are. You and I are created for community. And this shows up so very early in the teachings of Scripture, right in Genesis. I mean, right out of the gate. Look at this verse up on the screen. The Lord God said, it is what? What are these two words? It is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good. It's not just men. It's speaking here certainly in a masculine pronoun, but it certainly means all people. It is not good. This is what God is saying. It is not good for people to be alone. It's, it's unique, really, and I think about it because I understand there's a lot of what you do in terms of business and the company that you run or the uh, business that you work for, what you do vocationally speaking that I don't understand, what, what I understand, I don't understand at all, but what I've got a pretty good footing on is, is church life and ministry. It's what I love. It's what I eat, drink, and sleep outside of my, my own family. And um, it, it's kind of unique and sad, really, when I think about this, that um, because you and I are creatures of habit, you probably sit in similar places. I, I typically uh, do that myself. And so you generally, if you are seated in an area where you typically Sit and people are around you because they typically sit in the areas that they sit in. You're generally probably going to be around a lot of the same people week in and week out, and the same people Sunday and Sunday after Sunday. And it's highly probable that you don't really know them. I mean, you may have uh, shaken their hand a time or two uh, during a fellowship kind of uh, kind of time, but maybe you even know their name. Maybe you don't. You know their face, but. There's a high probability that you, you don't even know where they work, or if they work, or if they're retired, or, or you don't know anything about maybe their family. I mean, you see them all the time, every week. You, know, you see them uh, you know, almost 50 Sundays or so uh, a year, anytime you're here, and yet you don't know their story, you don't know their history, you don't know their background, you don't know anything uh, about them other than they're just yet another face in the crowd. And I think about that, and I think about how that God designed you and I for community, and the reality is there are people in this service right here, right now, whether they're seated near you or not, that actually could become a great friend. There's people in this service right now that could become an encourager, that could become a support person, people that could become a confidant. You and I were not made to be alone, and yet, there's this part of us that we just sort of come in and we sort of go out and we're just, you know, we not only see faces in the crowd, our faces are in the crowd and we don't really know anybody, at least their name, their story, their history, and nobody really knows us. And that can go on week after week, month after month, year after year. Now, lots of people choose to be alone and I admit that. And there's times I choose to be alone. I was uh, talking to you about that a second ago, but it's certainly not God's plan for this to be like the the totality of our life. We were made to be connected upward in a relationship with God, but inward in a relationship with people. In fact, not only is it not God's plan, it's actually to be alone. And I want you to hear me out on this. It's actually, when you read about it, and I've done quite a lot of reading on this, it's actually alarmingly unhealthy. And I want to just read a little bit. I could spend the balance of our time reading similar things, but I'll just hit some high points. Uh, At Ohio State University College of Medicine, if you can trust the Buckeyes, which in this case we're going to choose to do, we must not have any Buckeyes here. Do we have any Buckeyes? All right. Can we trust your research? Yes, sir. All right. So just at Ohio State University College of Medicine, scientists found that patients who score, listen to this now, who score above average in loneliness had significantly poor functioning of their immune systems. And your immune system matters a whole lot. And you know this. All right, here's another one. In, uh, at Stanford University School of Medicine, got anybody like Stanford? Oh, wow. <laughs> at Stanford University School of Medicine, Dr. David Spiegel conducted research in, what, in which patients with metastatic breast cancer were randomly divided into two groups. One group received the usual medical care while the other received the usual care plus weekly, listen to this now, weekly 90 minutes, um, weekly 90 minute uh, support group meetings for one year. Although he planned the study expecting that there would be no difference in lifespan between the two groups, this, this is amazing. Five years later, he found that the patients who attended the weekly group, remember this 90-minute support group every week, who attended that, those support meetings, had twice the survival rate of the other group. That's shocking, isn't it? I mean, uh, same treatment, identical treatment, same form of metastatic breast cancer, same treatment. The only thing that was different is one group received all the care but did not go to the 90-minute weekly meetings. The other group did. And the ones who went had twice the survival rate of the other group. Now, let me deal with one more. Because it was, it's one of the most uh, thorough research projects on relationships ever conducted. It actually has a name to it. The Alameda County Study. And it was headed by Harvard social scientists who tracked the lives of 7,000 people, 7,000. This is not low-key, 7,000 people, not for a short duration, but actually, excuse me, over nine years. Researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections, and this writer's writing about the, where, I, where I came across this study. A guy was writing about the study. And I'll just read verbatim what he says now. He said, people who had bad health habits such as smoking, poor eating habits, obesity, or alcohol use, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. In other words, this is his words, it is better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. Harvard, research, Harvard researcher Robert Putnam notes that if you belong, listen to this now, uh, and this guy's got a huge name in his field, uh, Robert Putnam notes that if you belong to no groups but you decide to join one group, you cut your risk of dying over the next year in half. For another study, as reported in the Journal of the American Medical Association, same writer talking about these studies, 276 volunteers were infected with a virus that produces the common cold. The study found that people with strong emotional connections did four times better fighting off illnesses than those who were more isolated. These people, the writer says, were less susceptible to colds, had less virus and produce significantly less mucus than relationally isolated subjects. And then he says, I'm not making this up. They produce less mucus. This means it is literally true. Unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. (laughs) Just thought you would appreciate that. So it's true. What you heard is true. Scott Stanley writes this, people who have more friends, especially at least one really good one, do better in almost every conceivable way in life, especially in terms of physical and mental health. So you and I were created for a community, and I've got to keep moving, but if I had more time... I would talk to you about how that God is so, theologians have written a lot about this, that God is so serious and so passionate about community that is even beautifully manifested in the context of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and how that whole relational dynamic works. So, uh, firstly, uh, you and I were created for community. Secondly, let's keep moving because the clock is ticking. Number two, we grow in community, we grow, we spiritually grow. In community. You can check this out on your own sometime, but Jesus basically has two commandments. He had a lot of teachings, but he took all of his teachings for the most part and he's distilled them down into two commandments, which, by the way, is a lot less than the 600 plus commandments uh, that are found in the Old Testament. He lays out two uh, compared to all the others, and here are the two. Most of you know it, and this is what Jesus said. He said, Here are the two greatest commandments. He said, This is what you need to do. You need to love God. God and you need to love people. And again, if we had more time to talk about it, I'll talk about you get those two right. It basically covers every other portion of our life. If we love God the way that Jesus said we ought to love God, which he tells us how to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, if we do that, and then the second commandment Jesus said, which is to love people, and he even tells us how to love people, he said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love people, love people as you love yourself. And I want to just say to you, friends, It is absolutely impossible to do those things uh, in isolation. And I know what some of you are thinking. You think, oh, but I've got you on that, Uh, you know, Pastor Jeff, because I can love God in isolation. I can love God in isolation. Not in the way that God designed it. Not in the way. Because how do you and I, how do you and I demonstrate our love for God? It's how we love people. That's how you and I, we can say all day, well, I love God, I love God, I love God, I love God. But what does the Scripture teach? The Scripture says, how can we say that we love God whom we have not seen if we can't even love the people that we see every day? And so you and I can't say, well, you know, here's the deal. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to love God. I'm going to focus on up, but not in because that's not. And it's, you cannot, cannot, cannot actively love people in isolation. Uh, In in fact, in isolation, we often deceive ourselves, and we think that we're more loving than what we actually are. How many of you know that it's always easier to love people if you don't have to interact with them? (laughs) See, it's easy to love people if you don't have to deal with their imperfections or their idiosyncrasies or their idiotic ways. You can love people as long as you don't have to come in contact with them. Unfortunately, that's not God's plan. And, and Jesus said it, two great commands above all the other commandments, take them all, take them all, cover to cover. And Jesus said, this is Jesus. This is God that came back from, uh, you know, death to life. And he said, the two biggies are love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and, and strength and love people the way you love yourself. Everything else, this is what Jesus said, everything else hangs on these two commandments. You get these right. And again, you, you do, you do that. You love God and you love people in the context of community. Now, here's one verse of many that I could show you, but again, as you can tell, I'm trying to hurry. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we've just mentioned love, we will in all things, what are these two words right here? Grow up into him who is the head, head of what? Head Head of the body, that is Christ. Christ is the head of the body, the body is the body of Christ, or the church, a growth requires community. You and I've got to be clear on that. You cannot spiritually grow the way that God wants you and I to grow in isolation. It's in community that we get challenged. It's in community that we become inspired. It's in community that, that we become encouraged. It's actually as well, see, and this is where we can deceive ourselves. We can feel like, hey, I've, I've got my life all, all together, and I don't really have any challenges. or really things I need to work on, but then you get in the context of people, and people are speaking into your life, and you're speaking into other people's life, and then you come to this sudden realization uh, in the sense of community that there are habits, and there are weaknesses that you have, and sins that need to come to light. And so whenever I hear a person say, and I hear it quite often, something like this, I really do not need a church, or I really don't need a body that is the body of Christ, or I really don't need a community to be a growing Christian, I can't help but wonder. Maybe you've thought that way before, maybe you think that way now, but if you do, I can't help but wonder where that idea came from because I can tell you it did not come from God. It didn't come from God. Well, I don't need church. I don't need community. I don't need a body. I don't need, I don't need that to be a spiritually uh, vital, uh, vitally growing Christian. Well, that's not what God says. I, I don't know where people pick that up, but it's not from God. So when you and I walk out of isolation and we love others and we're loved by others, it becomes a tremendous catalyst to spiritual growth in our life. Again, I'm just giving you a lot of overview, so I want to quickly move on to number three. Thirdly, thirdly, really important We find acceptance in community. Acceptance in community. Now, this is a fantastic verse, and and I want you to read this whole verse with me. Everybody, take a look at it on the screen. This is Romans 15, 7. Let's read it together. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you. Accept one another, how just as Christ accepted you you. Now, just allow that to sink in for a moment. According to this great church leader, Paul, this is not a mere suggestion for us to mull over. It is an imperative that serious-minded followers of Jesus have got to become committed to. Now, according to Paul, and the guys have it up, and keep it up, guys, for just a moment if you don't mind. According to Paul, what should our acceptance of people look like? How should we accept other people? Now, what Paul says He says that it should mirror Jesus's acceptance of us. So how's that going? In fact, let me put it another uh, another way. When is the last time that you've taken a question like that and you've thought it all the way through, this question of what is it that caused Jesus to accept me? Have you ever thought that all the way through? What what was it? You know, how does that correlate? How's that tethered to how I'm supposed to accept other people? What is it that caused Jesus to accept and embrace me? And some of you, I mean, you just maybe go down the list and you say, uh, you know, and not just toss out, maybe you say, well, Jesus accepts me because of my looks. And you say, you know, for you, bingo. Yeah, that's it. That's why some of you, yeah, Jesus accepted me because of my looks. Well, that's probably not it. I'm thankful for your good looks, but that's not it. Uh, Is it your net worth? No. Is it your skin color? No. Is it your education level? No. Is it your marital status or your athletic ability or your vocation or your skill set or your gender? Is that what it is that caused Jesus to accept you or me? And the obvious answer to that is it's none of those things. But sometimes a person's human and fallen condition can cause us to use something similar to this as a grid. Well, you know, Jesus didn't accept me for any of these things, but this is how I'm going to allow people into my life. You know, what do they look like? Uh, economically, are they where I'm at? Are their skin colors, their skill set? You know, is there, you know, are, do I have to have all these commonalities? And if they have all these commonalities with me, then I accept them. If they're a lot different from me, then, I, you know, I well, we accept everybody, Right because that's how Jesus accepts us, everybody. Anyone who wants to seriously connect with the body of Christ, anybody who wants to participate in an authentic Christian community ought to be welcomed into it. Some of you may be having this idea that our church is for Christians. And it is. It is. Aren't you glad that our church is for Christians? Are any of you glad about that? But our church is also for non-Christians. Non-Christians. Our church is for people that are far from God. Our church is for people that are skeptics and investigators and agnostics and everybody. Why? Anybody, anybody that, that Jesus is willing to accept, you and I ought to be, well, they're not where they ought to be yet. Well, that's between them and God. That's not your business. How many of you know you've got enough business, uh, enough uh, on your hand trying to keep you straight, much less 10 other people? We leave that with God and we allow people to just, you know, hear about Jesus and interact with the scriptures and hear about the wonder of God's love and God's plan, just like we're talking about today. Pragmatically speaking, I know that some people, and it's all right, that uh, we have similar interests with and we connect with some people easier than others. I understand that. That's, That's not a challenge, but at a level of acceptance, we accept people just the way that Jesus has accepted us. I want you to check out this next amazing verse here. Look at this verse. I love this verse. This is Paul. He's writing to a different group of Christ followers. He says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us He united, now this is huge because this was like the most massive division that ever existed, especially at that time. He united Jews and Gentiles, look at this, into what? One people when when in his own body on the cross, read this last portion with me, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And, and, And Jews and Gentiles were hugely separated from one another until Jesus brought them together. See, God is not a fan of anything that smacks of hatred or division or favoritism. God is all about bringing two people together in unity. Can anybody say agree or amen or something in regard to that? And we accept one another. Fourthly, we serve together. We serve together in community. This is Paul again. Look at it on the screen. Look at this next verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can do what with it? Read it with me, so we can help each other. It's amazing to me, still, after all these years, and it's beautiful to me the way in which Jesus intentionally designed the functionality of his body, the church. He said, this is what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, according to the Scriptures, every follower of Jesus is going to be entrusted by the Holy Spirit with at least one spiritual gift. And we saw that just a moment ago. In fact, you see it even now on the screen. Look at the first portion again. A spiritual gift is given to what? each of us, everybody, and that includes you. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've opened up your life to Christ, as if you've received salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and lives and abides on the inside of you, and the Holy Spirit deposits at least one spiritual gift into your life, what is the purpose of that? Is that for the rights of bragging? Absolutely not. What is the purpose of the reason? Look at the next portion. Here it is. You see it on the screen. So that we can do what? Help or serve each other. Now, I want to ask you some questions. I need to move on because I'm about out of time. But do you ever ask yourself this question? Listen to it carefully, all right? I hope it has a little bit of ding to it. (laughs) You ever ask yourself this question why am I not serving? How about this one why am i not helping people consistently oh i help people from time to time but why am i not consistently in a in a position where i'm helping people on an ongoing basis here here's another one here all right i hope this ding are you ready for it what are you doing what are you really really doing with a spiritual gift that god has entrusted to you what are you doing with that one more because i don't know if you can take any more than one more what are you doing to advance the kingdom of God? Well, Jeff, you know, look at your shoes. I'm busy. Man, I am so busy. Everybody I know is busy. I heard John Maxwell say this a number of years ago, and it's so true. The world is run by busy people. That's an excuse. If you're too busy to serve, you're too busy. If you're too busy to advance the kingdom of God, you're too busy. If you're too busy to deploy the spiritual gift that God has entrusted to you, how many of you know you're too busy? too busy. God has created us so that we serve together in community. And then number five, and last of all, we actually heal in community. We heal in community. Take a look at this final verse. James 5:16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Now read the last six words with me, everybody, so that you may be healed. God created us to live in this dynamic of a relationship up with him, but also in with each other, not to live our lives independently of each other. We need God. How many of you would agree with that? How many of you would wave and say, I need God? But how many of you also have to wave your hand because the scriptures teach this, I do need other people. Even if I don't take advantage of it, I need other people in my life. We need to all have a place in a little community of people where each of us can be known. And that's our vulnerability. And a lot of us don't like to be vulnerable because we're afraid what might come out. But a little place where we can be known by other people, that's our vulnerability. A place where we can be loved. In fact, loved unconditionally. Love where people love you, warts and all. And a place where you can be healed supernaturally. Isn't that what, I mean, just, just the sound of that and the thought of that to just be a part of a little community where you can, where you can be known, where you listen, where you could just be you. And still love for it. And to be loved unconditionally. Loved, you know, loved on your good days and loved on your bad days. And so in the process of coming in, because we all have warts and all. We all have inconsistencies. We all have habits and hang-ups and hurts. And if we could just come together in a little community where people can know us. And where people can still love us. And it's a place like that where we can be healed. So I challenge you today as we close. Walk out of the isolation that you're in. Whatever it is, whatever saying, well, you know, Jeff, I was with you week one. Man, my relationship with God is so important to me. Well, that is displayed in the context of our relationship with people. So walk out of isolation. Get into a place where you can grow. You cannot grow the way God intended you to grow in isolation. Get to a place where you can serve. Get to a place where you can be healed. Make it a huge priority in your life where you can know others and you can be known where you can love others and be loved by others, where you can accept other people and where you yourself can be accepted. And there's a lot of different opportunities that you and I can find that kind of community. You can find it in a small group, and we talk about that all all the time. You can find it in a small group. You can find it serving with a group of friends on a ministry team somewhere. You can be initiated with a friendship. And I I did that with somebody not too long ago, just somebody that... um, you know i'm i'm like a lot of you I'm, I'm like busy i've got a lot going on but just somebody i just felt like i i wanted to connect with a little bit and so i just picked up my phone i had the number number and texted them, say hey i'd like to just go hang out and and uh and have lunch and right now we're at a phase in that sort of that new deal of trying to know each other's story and a lot of you maybe have the idea well, I'm just, I'm just going to stand back and sit back and wait until somebody comes to me. How many of you know you can wait a long, long, long time with that kind of attitude? But maybe you just do, and this, this is not like a person and I'm spending lots of time, but just we agreed together to get together from just time to time and to just build a friendship and a relationship because I don't really know them. They don't really know me that well. And uh, I don't know where it's going to go, but maybe you just look around and maybe there's some people that you've met here and you're just, you know what? I, I think that's a person I want to connect with a little bit more. I want to get to know that person. I want to invite that, you know, maybe that lady, if you're a lady to go to lunch or if you're a guy to just say, I'd like to just go have coffee with them and just just hang out with them and build a relationship and see if maybe there's anything that God might be up to. Some of me, some of you have heard me talk about small groups so long, you've learned how to tune me out. And that's to your own detriment. And when I say small group, you hear, right <laughs> But You got to get involved. You got to serve. Sometimes just sort of entry level communities, you just look around and say, hey, I see some people serving. Seems like the people down in, uh, down in the cafe, they have a pretty good time together or some of you, you may get like really crazy and say, wow, I see people. You know, I tell it every Sunday morning when I walk in, I walk through the doors at the other end of the theater and there's such buzz and energy uh, going on among all the kids' workers. And some of you are saying, well, listen, uh, I'll get involved, I'll serve somewhere, but it's not kids. <laughs> or some of you, yeah, some of you are thinking, I don't care what the buzz and energy level is. I don't need that kind of buzz and energy level first thing Sunday morning. But for others of you, you're like, you know what? I'd like to help take care of kids. And the process of that, you serve with other people and you get to know people. See, you and I, we need God. But you and I, we need each other. And that's what the church family is all about. You agree? And I pray that that will become more and more pronounced among us because that's the way that God intended it to be. God created us for community. I heard some of you start to applaud Jesus, so let's just give Jesus some applause. Here we go. Would you stand with me, everybody? Go ahead and stand. We're out of time. Father, we thank you for this day. We pray that we'll take it to heart, that, God, we will step out of isolation into community, that we will become a part of relationships where we're inspired to grow and to serve and to be healed in our life, where we can know people and be known by people, where we can love people and be loved by people where we can accept people, even if they're totally unlike us, and we can be accepted just the way that we are. Let that become a reality for us all, and help us to not just stand back and sit back and just wait to be responders, but to be initiators toward this end. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Have an awesome week. See you next Sunday.